Welcome to the Display the Gospel podcast, a place where we will explore topics related to the Christian life in order to demonstrate and declare the gospel as followers of Jesus. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome. Uh, This is another episode of the podcast. Uh, My name is Brett Risley, and today we are jumping into our gospel-centered stewardship series, and uh, we're going to be kicking that off with my friend Ross. Welcome, Ross. Thanks for having me. Um, so to give you, the listener, some background on kind of what this uh, series is about, um, it's called Gospel-Centered Stewardship, and typically when you hear the word stewardship, you're probably thinking about money, right? Um, and But I want to give you a few uh, definitions of terms before we get into that topic. We're actually going to talk about money and how we have been entrusted with the resources God's given us. Um, but to make sure we're all on the same page, here's kind of a working definition that I'm using for stewardship. Uh, stewardship is the belief that everything belongs to God because God is sovereign over all things. And stewardship begins as we recognize God as the one exercising divine ownership over all things. And therefore, as a, as a steward, we've been entrusted with some of these things that God has given us. And so being entrusted really just means that we've been assigned responsibility. Um, and so we aren't owners, we're managers. That's kind of going to be some of the working definitions throughout this whole series. And so, yeah, I'm excited to, to have this conversation with Ross this morning. Um, so Ross, if you want to kind of give people a little bit of a background to maybe what, what you do, who you are, and then we'll jump into our topic. Sure, sure. So, um, yeah, my name's Ross Kilderman. I'm uh, part of the Brett's local church here in, in uh, central Iowa, and I serve as a treasurer for our local church and also work as an accountant um, in the senior living industry. Uh, I, I enjoy a good run or <laughs> um, a, nice, a nice evening with my wife, Megan, but um, yeah, I think this is a topic that uh, spend quite a bit of time on um, all day long for professionally. I'm counting, sorting, organizing, telling stories about money. Um, you know, in the local church, I'm looking at our giving, our spending, um, our how we invest the dollars that have been entrusted to the church. And then certainly uh, at home with my family, I've been put into a position to, like Brett said, be a trustee or a manager um, for what the Lord has entrusted us with. And so, um, I think this is a huge topic in our culture. I think it has been for, uh, a long time. Um, and so I'm eager to get into it with you today, Brett. Awesome. Yeah. And just to let the listeners know a little bit about both of us, we both enjoy a good burrito from a a local place. And even though we pronounce it differently, uh, we both, both enjoy a good old burrito. I don't know why I felt the need to say that, but maybe to let the listeners know we're human and (laughs) we like to eat burritos as well. So, which also ties into stewarding our money. (laughs) We could spend too much money on burritos, but anyways, I'm digressing. Um, so yeah, so maybe the first place we could start talking about, um, being entrusted with the resources God has given us, there's probably two elements we could put these two, uh, categorize this into personal, right? Our own resources that we have as a family, um, and then as a church and a collective body, you know? And so maybe let's start with the personal aspect of that and just talk about what that looks like a little bit to be entrusted with money and any other resources really that are related to that. Um, yeah, as an individual and also as, as husbands and leading our families in that. Yeah, yeah, well, and I, I think 
I think there's a lot of areas, and, and you're even going through these in sort of the stewardship series um, and looking at these different areas of our life that we can give to Him. And money uh, for us in the West is certainly a, a big one. Um, I'm drawn to Luke chapter 12 on this, verse 32. He says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old and a treasure in the heavens that do not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Hmm. And as I look at that verse, I see a few things about God. For one, he refers to us as his little flock. That makes him our shepherd. Um, yeah. It says, for it is your father's good pleasure. He's our father um, to give you the kingdom uh for him to do that, he must be the king. Um, and so we learn several things about him. And just dwelling on who he is, I already think puts us into a posture with how we want to use our money or our time or our energy um, in such a way um, that makes sense given the reality of who God is and where we are before him. Um, and so I think that's a really strong place to start when we're looking at how do we budget our family's dollars or um, yeah. where do we want to put it? How much do, how much or should we accumulate? Um, or, you know, are we called to a, a more simple uh, a sort of, um, you know, checkbook, if you will, given that um, he is our shepherd, he will lead us, he will protect us, he's our father, uh, he's our king. Um, I also think it's interesting that he says he will give us the kingdom. There's not a mortgage on it. There's uh, not a loan. Uh, you know, there's so much just peace. He's just, he's just giving it to us. Yeah. Um, and so I find peace in that. That makes it easier for me uh, to give freely um, and not not wonder about, well, what if I give this, then what will be in my future? Um hmm. It's already been given to me. Yeah, no, that's great. I appreciate that. I think um, what I hear you saying too is is a great reminder that while we've been entrusted with some of these resources, obviously we have jobs. Uh, the Lord's given us those, and we know from the Bible it talks about every good and perfect gift comes from Him. So, we're for blessed to have a, uh, an income that provides for our family. That's a blessing, and we should thank God for that. He is the giver of good gifts, and we also think uh, we also see that He He does provide for our needs. And then you can break that down. He provides for needs, not always all the wants, right? And I think in America, that's where we really start to struggle with this issues particularly is, well, I work the job and I have wants, therefore I need this thing. And it may not actually be a need, but because we feel like we've owned it, we own the money because we work, then sometimes I think we, we lose that kingdom perspective or even the bigger perspective of uh, maybe there's better things that those resources could be used for that would actually please the Father um, rather than just uh, satisfy my flesh. Um, so that's, that's one, that one, one topic that I think uh, would be interesting as well. Um, another thing that um, I think is relevant in this conversation too is as a family, um, what does it look like to be a family that is using our resources in a way um, that truly brings glory to the Father? Yeah, I, uh, I think that money, uh, often in our culture, serves as a point of anxiety, not having enough. Uh, we see 
what maybe our neighbors or our friends, um, people on TV have. And we feel a severe sense of, I am not loved, I am not cared for, um, I am worried, I am anxious. And I think that's the general posture that we have towards wealth, which is so opposite to this idea of us as sheep following our shepherd or, you know, children mm-hmm. under the care of a good, good father. Yeah. Um, and, or, or people are being handed given, um, the kingdom, the rule and reign of God. And so, um, I, I definitely see that and feel that personally and see that and feel that, uh, as I talk to those both within the body of Christ and outside the body of Christ. And as you look at our advertisements here or um, the way that um, things are discussed in the news, there is certainly just a sense of you need to accumulate, you need more or you will fail. And what's interesting about it is a large part of our culture will even go out in order to try to address that need and make promises to pay someone else money that they don't have today in the future so that they can have things that provide the appearance um, of wealth. You know, I'm going to uh, borrow a large sum of money so that I can drive this vehicle or have this home or this boat or, uh, you know, maybe even go on a vacation and uh, use my credit card. It's important that I do these things, have these things, either so that I can have the appearance of being of import or so that I can truly feel that I matter or that my life is adding up and that I don't have to worry about dying, um, having been unaccomplished or um, having a, a life of a failure. And I think that just really reflects the life of someone who doesn't know God as their father, as their king, um, or as their shepherd. And so yeah. um, I think it's so important that First, we recognize and worship God for who he is, and then coming out of that, um, come into a place of making financial decisions, um, looking at our work, looking at our livelihood, our vocation, under that lens, rather than the lens of uh, what's so prevalent in our culture, and I think probably even in the culture 2,000 years ago, um, that we see that we see in God's word. Yeah, well, that's good. I think, man... Um... Even as Christians, we struggle with that, right? Um, I don't think we're immune to the the temptations of our of our flesh and our our humanity that wants comfort and wants status and wants things, and um, and so we have to balance that with it's not evil to own some stuff, um, but we always have to be very mindful of what's going on in our heart as we process uh, the potential idea of collecting another thing or buying that house or or uh, whatever it might be. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned the burritos earlier, and <laughs> as you mentioned, there's nothing wrong with me and you enjoying a good Ponchero's burrito, <laughs> but... Um, if that's how it's pronounced. <laughs> the question becomes, Ross, why is it that you need that burrito? Why is it that you want that burrito? What is it that you expect out of that burrito? Yeah. And Brad, if I'm honest with you, I believe there have been times in my walk where that burrito was a point of sin. I... Uh, you know, I was like, man, I've had a really rough week. I'm really tired. I feel like my needs have been unmet. That burrito with that queso in there and everything, <laughs> that will salve, that will solve uh, that hole that I have. I need to go get me that burrito. And 
man, if I don't have the money to get that burrito, that makes me afraid. Um, and so I think even something as simple as yeah. using our resources or, or, or just even having the burrito, I think can become a spiritual yeah. issue. And it really does all come to the mm-hmm. heart. Um, I think there are some purchases where I would have a hard time understanding how it comes out of a heart of worship. Um, you know, you meet the, the person who has uh, three boats and um, four homes and all that. And, and I'm not saying that by definition that those purchases, those investments uh, were out of sin. Yeah. I would just be very eager to discuss with them how those play into their kingdom mindset yeah. and, and worship um, versus some sort of, I'm trying to address some unmet need. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. I think, you know, the series is called Gospel-Centered Stewardship, and so we have to get to the gospel and how the gospel relates to our money, and I think you're hitting on, the I think, one of the primary things is what's going on in our heart, what, what are the motives of our heart, and God knows those. God sees those, like you said, with the burrito or whatever the purchases might be. Or even, you know, First and Second Timothy, Paul talks a lot to Timothy about be weary and beware of those who have a desire to become rich. And so it's not even just um, uh, having stuff and purchasing things, what's going on there, but is there even a desire in us as Christians to, do I long just to be rich? I mean, I think that's another check your heart moment and, and examine your own motives. Uh, the other thing I think that you hit on that was good was priorities. And so in terms of, yeah, what are we prioritizing with our money? Is it me or is it others? And part of the gospel is Jesus has come. He gave his life as a ransom for many. He came to serve, not to be served. And obviously he displayed that perfectly in his death, in his burial, his resurrection. And so the, 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 the reality that Jesus has freely given his life so that we would actually have life, um, I think that informs our money choices as well. Am I looking to use my resources in a way that is truly giving away and blessing and serving and looking to serve or wash the feet of other people with my money? Um, or am I looking to hoard it for myself and be self-centered? And so I think there's a gospel hinge there of my others focused when kingdom focused with my money or am I self-centered with my money? And I think the call to Christians is to constantly, you know, over time be be moving uh, to, to move the needle a little bit, if you will, closer to others focused and then eventually kingdom focused. Mm-hmm. And again, we only have one life to live on this earth and then we will uh, you know, we'll live with the Lord in eternity. So how, how can we best invest in eternity? I guess to use some financial language with that too. And so maybe as we kind of wrap this up, um, what are some practical thoughts maybe from you, Ross, on um, the wrap up the personal section and we'll talk about maybe the church here. Um, as well, but how do we invest in eternal things in that regard? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think one thing in our culture, we are, you know, amongst the richest of the rich as far as the world is concerned. And I think to some degree, I don't want to get legalistic about this, but I think to some degree, we need to really govern that. Uh, when I was in college, um, at my college ministry, uh, an alumni had come back and shared that him and his wife had decided to say, you know, we, in our first year married, God provided for us at this income level. And, you know, maybe costs are going up two, 3% a year for food and, and things like that. We don't see a reason to retain for ourselves anything beyond, um, 
you know, what we had in our first year of marriage, which mm -hmm. was so much more than we need. And so we're just going to agree that we will not accept, we will not tolerate any accumulation uh, of wealth or, or spending in excess of, you know, what we made that first year of marriage or what, what we had, you know, plus an inflation index or whatever. Everything else is excess and we're, we want to give that to the Lord. Mm. What that did and, and the way he shared it was that really gave him and her a freedom and the choices they made about career, spending and everything. We don't need to worry about it. He provided for us that first year of marriage. He will continue to provide for us. And and that really that really struck home with me that's so um, opposite our culture. I think that's one practical yeah. thing. I think two, um, when you look at, uh, you know, I have this much coming in and this is where it's going or this is where it's being put, thinking in terms of the things that um, Christ talked about as being valuable. Uh, you mentioned others. Um, certainly um, those in need uh, yeah. Christ Christ was extremely explicit in talking about those who are needy those who are poor the widows that's where his love is to people who give to those and so yeah I think trying to say if, if I've been entrusted with as a trustee X amount of dollars and I'm investing two percent of that into those types of um, you know pursuits do I really love those things? Do I really love him? Um, and so trying to be very strategic, like a board of directors at a corporation or a not-for-profit would be as trustees to say, are we using these dollars in a way that's consistent with our mission? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I don't want to get legalistic or anything, but I think for those of us in America, I think there really is a need to govern and, and, and really shift our mindset around um, what we're entitled to or what we really need to manage the affairs of our family. Oh, that's great. I think that's great. Practical, again, kingdom-focused, a paradigm shift. And I think we all have to come to that, hopefully that shift some point in our Christian life that it's not about me, it's about others. Um, and you, what you, you also made a great statement that I think segues great into the next little topic before we wrap up this segment is how does then, how does this entrusted with finances in the local church. What does that look like? And you made the statement, you know, we need to use our finances in a way that is consistent with our mission. And so I think uh, maybe elaborate on that from your perspective, you know, being the roles that you serve in on your parachurch ministry and even here at our church, how does, how does that connect to the local church? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, generally speaking, not-for-profits, including parachurch organizations, churches, etc., have a mission statement. Um, and, and a vision. Um, and so I think really what you want to do as somebody who's a, a steward of the funds at one of these organizations, at like let's say the local church, is say, here's our budget for the year. How does this tie into our mission? And so um, at our local church, uh, the business manager will collect from all the different uh, uh, directors, leaders within the staff and the team and say, you know, give me your budget for the next year. And then he'll ask them to articulate how does that budget feed into um, our mission and, and really tie that in, and whether it's, you know, outreach, missions, um, you know, kind of compassion ministries, teaching, etc. And then he'll come back to the board to governance and really explain how the staff perceive that. And so that starts you in the ministry year in the right place. This is our vision for the year. Here's the dollars that we have in place for that. And then my role as treasurer is to say, 
we budgeted these dollars for this. Now, as we go out through the year, let's stick to that. Yeah. Um, which I normally think of as um, we budgeted $10,000 for this program or cause. Let's not spend eleven, which I think is stewardship. <laughs> yeah. But I also think it's if we've only spent seven, well, why didn't we spend the ten? You know, are we doing yeah. what we set out to do, yeah. or or are we behind on these things? Yeah. I think the sad thing, and I don't know if this is global or if this is just um, kind of in the church context that I've been in my whole life and that I've seen, is we do spend a lot of money on um, bricks and mortar and other types of facilities things. I mean, I I can speak for myself, and I think a large part of our congregation at my local church to say, we get really excited about what I'll call debt service, paying down the loan. And of course, that's that's good stewardship, not yeah. having uh, your church encumbered by, by debt. But yeah. you know, how does that really tie into, um, you know, caring for the poor or, or bringing the mm-hmm. excellency of God, his supremacy out to, um, you know, your neighbors and in the world, it's, it's, it's difficult. All you can really say is, well, if we had that paid off, we'd have more resources available, um, to do that work, which would suggest that you don't have the resources available at the time that you haven't been provided for, which I think if you look closely at it, you'd find is not the case. So, yeah. Um, it is a challenge, I think. Uh, I don't think it's easy managing um, the money that's been stewarded to local churches in a way that, that is honoring. I think it's actually very similar to uh, managing the finances of a family. Mm-hmm. Um, you just bring in more people and more hands and more thoughts and opinions. But um, <laughs> I, I do think there's a huge opportunity to honor the Lord with the way that we steward the resources of the local church. Yeah, well, that's good. I think the word that came to mind was balance, right? Uh, if if we're all in on paying off a mortgage, for example, uh, like you said, there's good things to that. There's some wisdom to that, but um, but if it's at the expense of we're not going to do any outreach this year, uh, that's not. I don't think that's biblical. <laughs> I don't think that's healthy. At the same time, it wouldn't be wise to say we're going to spend all of our extra money on 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 outreach or other or any other ministry really. But we're not really sure if we can keep the lights on or even pay our mortgage on time. I don't think that honors the Lord either. So how can we do both? I think that's always the tension, right? That's the tension of of, of leadership to figure out how do we balance that, and then even to take another step later, which you know it could be a whole other topic later. But then how do we even be the most effective with that? What really is the most uh, return on investment, again, if you will. Uh, what, what are the types of ministries and the initiatives and the, and the things that we would put our money in towards that actually, from the best that we can discern, would have the best return on investment, meaning has the most potential to impact lost people um, for the kingdom. I mean, we've been left here on earth primarily to preach the gospel and to take the gospel to all nations and to make disciples of all nations. And I think oftentimes we forget that all nations includes the very place we sit. <laughs> um, it doesn't just mean somewhere where you're not. The nations includes the globe, which is where you are locally and globally. So how can we actually make a dent in lostness with our money um, and not just um, get comfortable with who's already found and in our building, but how can we press the mission frontier envelope a little bit further in our community and find those pockets of, of brokenness, of hurt, of uh, the oppressed, the suffering, um, or even finding needs that need to be met in our community. And that, again, that's going to look different for every local church. 
Yeah, and you know, as, as we were talking about this, it reminds me of one thing that I kind of want to close on as far as my thoughts go, and, and that's around suffering. And, and we talk about suffering a lot in other areas, health and, um, you know, loss of, of people and things like that. But one of the things that we so work hard to avoid is suffering in terms of not having enough resources. So whether it's the local mm-hmm. church or us personally, you know, we want to accumulate such that we build a fortress, such that... Yeah. Nobody, including God, can uh, mm. put us into a hardship financially. Mm. And I just wanted to share, um, I've never really been in a position personally, whether you know I was growing up or now, where I've wondered where my next meal will come from or anything. I can't speak to that. Yeah. But I am treasurer for an organization. And about uh, five, six years ago, um, you know, we, we had full-time employees, and it became unclear how we were going to pay those employees as the giving was coming in even lower than the salaries uh, that we needed to pay, which were low salaries. Um, And so me and the executive director of this ministry, we just began to pray every week that the Lord would provide for that next cycle's payroll. And, um, you know, for like a month or two, it seemed that we weren't bringing in any more than that, but just enough such that we could pay our payroll. Yeah. And Brett, if I'm honest with you, in terms of money and finances, whether it's personal or, you know, the work I do in ministry, I have never felt closer to the Lord than during that time where I didn't know how I was going to pay this guy. Yeah. And, and he would say the same thing. Of course, his testimony is even more powerful because he was the one who, you know, was going to go without if the money didn't come in. Yeah. But um, I, I think that there is a sense that we need to be okay with being put into a position of dependency on him because the reality is that we are. Man, that's good. Uh, I can't add anything better than that. I think it's a great note to close on, being dependent on the Lord for all things and trusting him with all things because as we've said, he is sovereign over all things. He knows our needs. And I'm, I'm, I guess I'm reminded of Matthew 6, 33, you know, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. Well, thank you, Ross. I think I think this is some great conversations, some great things to be thinking about. And for you as a listener, thank you for tuning in. And hopefully some of these thoughts about uh, being entrusted with your finances helps you be a gospel-centered steward that demonstrates and displays the gospel in your community. Thank you for tuning in today. You can find a wealth of resources, including free downloads, videos, book recommendations, sermons, training opportunities, and more at my website, www.displaythegospel.com.